episode 274 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm CEO of the Australian Writer Centre where you'll find an awesome writing community and fantastic writing courses. I'm here with my fabulous co-host, Alison Tate, author of the popular Mapmaker Chronicles and Adaban Cipher book series. How are you, Al? Well, apparently I'm fabulous. You are. So I'm just going to go with that. <laughs> What's I'm been happening up, in I'm going to live world? up to the, word, to the word and be fabulous. Yes. Um, what's been happening? Well, uh, whatever. Uh, I, well, I think we talked about on the last episode um, that I was going to be doing a lot of editing work yes. and I have been true to my word and that is what I have been doing. <laughs> yes. Right. So you've been busy editing three uh, manuscripts, yeah. is it? Pardon? Editing three manuscripts? Only one at the moment. I'm focused on one at a time because I find that to be, you know, the best way forward. Once you're buried in 50,000 or 60,000 words, you just kind of want to stay there till you get to the end. So that's where I am. And, um, yeah, and that's what I'm doing. What What about you, Valerie? What have you been up to? What have I been up to? Oh, well, well, regular listeners will know that when I go home at night, I go into my bat cave and I transform (laughs) from being all things writing to all things art. So this week has been a lot of art because my exhibition is on in Balmain. Well, I'm in a group exhibition. It's not a solo solo exhibition. And it's at the Art Gallery on Darling in Balmain. And it's a gorgeous art gallery. And there's some really cool artists that I've been hanging out with. So that's on this whole week. And uh, for those of you who want to come to opening night... On Thursday, the 28th of March, it's from 6pm to 8pm. Come up uh, and join me for some bubbles and it should be fun. So that's Art Gallery on Darling. And um, we'll put the link in the show notes um, and also in the Facebook group. But otherwise, it's 307 Darling Street in Balmain. So it's been busy hanging and doing things like that, moving things around. You know, a lot goes into an exhibition, you know. Oh, it doesn't surprise me. So how many works have you actually got in there? So it depends because we kind of change it up. And, oh, um, okay. Yeah. When oh, so it changes around all the oh, Well, because oh, when stuff fun. sells, oh, you people, just get to take, people get to take it home straight away. They don't have to wait till the end of the exhibition, which is what oh, some exhibitions do. Which is what they, some exhibitions are. Like. Yeah. yeah okay. So they get to take it home straight away and then you replace it. So busy, busy, busy. Anyway, let's move on to the world of writing and publishing. We've got some great links for you this week. The first is actually on the Australian Writer Centre blog. This is a really handy post on 12 Australian literary festivals for your 2019 diary. Now, I can be sometimes a bit of a festival junkie. I go through phases. I either only go to one or two a year or there are some years that I'm really into it and I travel, I go, you know, it's, it's a thing because I'm just in the mood. And so there are so many to choose from and there are actually way more writers' festivals now in Australia than, say, five years ago. So we're spoilt for choice. Everything mm-hmm. from the Newcastle Writers' Festival to the Fitzroy Writers' Festival, of course, the Sydney Writers' Festival, the Margaret River Readers and Writers' Festival, which I admit I've never been to because it's a little bit far away from me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I'm curious because I've always wanted to go to Margaret River and I've never been. Have you been to Margaret River? No, I haven't. 
I have not been to Margaret River. I think it despite my be... attraction to Margaret River wine, I yes. have not been to Margaret River. I know. Well, it's got a good lineup. Anna Funda, oh Funda, Jermaine Greer, Chris Hammer, Kylie Howarth, Michael Lunick, Kim Scott, Holden Shepherd, you know, quite a few interesting people. Hmm. Um, the Northern Territory Writers Festival, the Outback Writers Festival, which mm. I also have not actually been to, but of course mm. been to the Brisbane Writers Festival and 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 many many of the others. But so many things to choose from. So we'll put the link in the show notes, but you can find it on our blog at the Australian Writers Centre. Twelve literary festivals for your diary. Now, yes, very exciting. Now, just before you move on to that, yes. because I also want to add. Um, oh yes. So, well, one of the things was that we um, we put we sent the post out. You know, when the when the blog post comes up, I share it out on social media, and that's what we do, right? And there's always like a million people who are like, "Yeah, but what about the blah blah festival mm-hmm. and the blah blah festival?" So what um, what we've done here is twelve. We could easily do another post that was 12 yeah, more Australian literary right. festivals and then we could do another one again which was even more literary festivals yes. because, as you say, there are so many of them. Mm. Um, so at the moment, for example, um, we're in the early planning stages, or, well, actually not early planning stages but we're getting there, um, for the next Shoalhaven Readers and Writers Festival. You might remember that we uh, the inaugural festival was last year mm. and uh, I sort of am the director of the children's program for the festival and it's one of those situations where, you know, a lot of these festivals festivals and this is the other thing I feel like everybody needs to take on board a lot of these festivals particularly the smaller regional festivals are run solely by volunteers you'll have like a team of like five or six really enthusiastic people who just get in there and decide that what their area needs is a writers festival or an arts festival or something um, which is the case of what's what's happened here at the in the Shoalhaven um, there was like a small band of volunteers who you know created the first festival last year which was a big festival we had a children's program an adults program it was on one day and it went really really well we were so excited mm. by how it went um, but we also had a very small team that put the festival together within six months and then like just about wanted to fall over at the end <laughs> of it because it does take a huge amount of effort of just yeah. organising. And um, so what we decided we would do is that um, we decided that we would do a big festival like that every second year. So we would have the children and adults programs. We would do like it's basically the blueprint that we laid down last year. And then in the sort of off year, so to speak, we would just run the children's program and we would Mm -hmm. focus on the school's sessions because um, obviously uh, anyone who's a regular listener will have heard me bang on about, you know, my passion for this festival is bringing authors and readers and um, writers together in the in this area to try and help with the obviously like the literacy levels across regional Australia um, are, are are something that hit the headlines you know on a semi-regular basis mm. um, so my interest is in trying to bring that in from the ground up and take it into schools and take it into you know a children's program that that uh, kids will get excited about so they'll get excited about reading and there's nothing quite like actually having an author in front of you to make you realize that books, come from people you know it's otherwise they feel like um if you're not a reader they feel like a very alien foreign world to some kids when you realize that there's actually a person behind them it makes a huge difference to some children um so that's what we're doing this year we're doing a schools program and we're doing uh the children's program we're going to have a um, a special event for adults as well it's going to be really um fun i'm really really looking forward to it um it's on the 26th and 27th of july here in the shoalhaven um so So that's going to be in the next blog post which will be 12 more more (laughs) 
yes. Australian literary <laughs> festivals for you to attend, um, as will the Story Fest, which is um, another festival um, on the south coast, which is being held down in Milton and Ulladulla. It's in June. I can't remember the date. I'm on twice at that, so I'm quite excited about oh, that. Oh, cool. Um, so we might put that one in the 12 more Australian literary festivals as well. Um, yes. But, yeah, we know that there's a huge number of um, regional festivals out there, and, you know, I applaud all of those volunteers who are working so hard to get those events and, and festivals happening. Brilliant, brilliant. And they're such great fun, festivals. So, so much fun. So much fun. So much fun. Especially the, you know, the evening drinks. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's not a lot of evening drinks when you're running the children's program, but yeah. Yeah, I, sure. I, I, yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on to our competition this week. We have an excellent prize. You, we have, you can win one of three copies of Gravity is the Thing by best-selling author Jacqueline Moriarty. And we interviewed Jacqueline in episode 209 if you want to check that out. So Gravity is the Thing is the latest book in it. Abigail Sorensen has spent her life trying to unwrap the events of 1990. It was the year she started receiving random chapters from a self-help book called The Guidebook in the Post. It was also the year Robert, her brother, disappeared on the eve of her 16th birthday. She believes the absurdity of The Guidebook and the mystery of her brother's disappearance must be connected. Now 35 owner of the Happiness Cafe and mother of four-year-old Oscar, Abigail has been invited to learn the truth behind the guidebook at an all-expenses-paid retreat. What she finds will be unexpected, life-affirming and heartbreaking, a story with extraordinary heart, warmth and wisdom. So gravity is the thing. Make sure that you enter at writerscentre.com.au slash win. I'm really keen to read this one. Sorry. So no, that, that's right. Entries close 1st of April. Yeah. I'm really keen yep. to read this one because if you did listen to our interview with Jacqueline in episode 209, it was all about her children's fiction. Um, she yeah. writes across children's and YA and this is an adult novel and I believe this is actually her first adult novel. Um, I can't remember the exact detail, so please don't hold me to that. Mm. Um, but she has had such huge success in the areas of children's and YA fiction. Um, I'm really keen to read this because I do believe yes. it will be. Um, she has that lovely element of whimsy to her work, and I'm really interested to see how that um, translates into writing for adults. So I reckon it's definitely a good one to win is what I'm saying. Yeah, definitely. So enter writercentercomau slash win. Now, <clears throat> I did so well last week because I cracked the owl code on the word of the week. So I'm hoping <laughs> that I'll be able to do it second time in a row. Okay. Al, are you ready for the word of the week? Well. The short answer my... is yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. So ready. My short answer, yes. So ready. But what were Long you going to say? Long answer, very complicated. Well, I was just going to say that I, like, I was so surprised by my, you know, I know we excitement all last week that my we expectations are quite high now. So I don't know. I don't know if I am ready. Anyway, let's all do right. it. Let's see how we go. It is autotomy. Autotomy. That's a u t o t o m y. Autotomy. Do you know that word? No, ha. I don't know. Okay. I don't. I don't know it. And okay. I, yeah, no, I don't know it. Autotomy. Okay. It sounds like a weird version of autonomy, but it's not at all. It's a word. It's its own word. Macquarie Dictionary says it means 
the spontaneous casting off of a damaged or trapped body part, such as tails by lizards or legs by spiders and crabs and so on. So when you see a lizard lose its tail because it got caught in a door, instead of squealing, oh, gross, you can say very knowledgeably, well, that's a great example of autotomy. <laughs> You're not going to say that. You're going to go, that is the grossest thing I've ever seen. You are not going to go, oh, wow, look at the autotomy going on over there. No, that's no, amazing. I think some people might. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think I was right to be wary. That's all I'm saying. No. (laughs) All right. Anyway, let's move on then. Who is our writer in residence this week? Sorry, I'm so busy laughing. I have no idea. Um, uh, Yes. So let us us turn with seriousness now, seriosity to... Seriosity, yeah. It's great serious. You might want to autonomously like cast off your co-host any minute now. I feel you should probably do that. Um, now, look, I, now I can't be serious. Our writer in residence this week, Valerie, is the wonderful Jenna mm-hmm. Guillaume. And mm-hmm. I had to practice saying her name several times before I interviewed her, which she thought was quite hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, Jenna has just brought out her brand new first uh, novel, which is called What I Like About Me. It's a YA novel. It's got a lovely voice to it. It's got a great body positive message to it. Um, and we had a really good talk about that, where she got the idea from. Uh, we bang on about journaling quite a lot and there was there's a bit of that going on in here. Um, but we also talked about uh, building your author profile because that is something that Jenna has done incredibly well, um, well before her book came out. So have a listen to this. Jenna Guillaume has been working and writing in teen spaces for more than a decade, first in the features department at Girlfriend magazine, and more recently as editor-at-large at BuzzFeed Australia, specialising in pop culture, identity, feminism, and social media. Her debut YA novel, What I Like About Me, is out now through Pan Macmillan. Welcome to the program, Jenna. Thank you for having me. So, debut novel. This is very, very exciting. Tell us how What I Like About Me came to be published. Well, I started writing it, I think, in 2014 or 2015. I wish I had, like, making more note, taken more notes of, like, when I did the whole process. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think around then and I would kind of write a little bit be overcome by self-doubt, put it away for six months um, and basically get it out every so often and keep rewriting it. I I basically rewrote that introduction like five times and then I think in 2017 I had had enough of never moving forward with the story and I decided to uh, actually make a schedule for myself and force myself to write every day and that was when I finally finished it and then I met my agent in May of 2017 and she read what I had written and was really keen to represent me. And then once I had finished it, um, I officially signed with her and she pitched it to a bunch of publishers and I got four offers and then I had to decide which one to go with. And yeah, and I went with Pam McMillan and and they're publishing it. Wow. So that's a bit of a dream run, isn't it? So who's your agent and how did you meet your agent? 
So my agent is Danielle Binks. She's with Jacinta Damaze Agency. And yeah. I met her actually, I first met her online just on social media. And we had been chatting for a while just about, you know, our mutual love of Pacey Witter and Dawson's Creek and <laughs> <laughs> different pop culture and our love of YA and romance novels. So I got to know her that way. And she's from Melbourne and she was coming to Sydney for the Sydney Writers Festival. And I messaged her and I said, do you want to, you know, meet up if you're in town? And so, and we were both going to this Melina Marquetta event as part of the Sydney Writers Festival. And so we attended together and, and that was when we officially met in person and as part of that day, that conversation, she kind of asked me if I was working on anything and I told, I gave her a very brief description. I was still, I was only about 30,000 words in at that stage and I was still very raw. Um, and so I gave her a very brief description and straight away she said to me, that reminds me of Dirty Dancing. And I was like, it just felt like this click because if you've read the novel, um, you know that D- Dirty Dancing plays heavily in it. Yeah. And I actually hadn't mentioned that at all to her. And the fact that she said that straight away, I was like, oh, wow, this feels like something special. Um so yeah, so that so at that stage, that's why she she kind of read what I had written because we are, had already connected so strongly, um, and it it was history from that. <laughs> so it's just interesting because one of the things that we often talk about on the podcast and in various things is the importance of like social media being a social thing and about the fact that you make connections and um, and this is why we're often telling people to start you know, today, even if your manuscript's not finished and stuff and sort of start to get to know people because it is actually about a, it is about a connection, isn't it? It's not about necessarily a, I'm going to stalk you because you're an agent and I'm going to chase you down and shove a manuscript under the toilet at, um, at the Sydney Writers Festival um, for you. But it is a like you obviously had a connection over various things. The kind of thing that you're writing is the kind of stuff she's interested in. And so therefore, you know, as you say, here we are, history. Absolutely, because I actually had started talking to Danielle long before she was an agent. Um, when she signed me, she was actually a pretty new agent, and I had just connected with her as a person over similar interests. And so, you know, that was then a, a fruitful yeah. kind of relationship for both of us. But I think it's so important to connect with people as people and not an, in a cynical way of what can I get out of them because yeah. that's just not pleasant for anybody. No, yeah. it's not. So was what I like about me, was that the first fiction manuscript that you've ever written? It was, yes. Wow. I had, yeah, I had done like, um, I actually did a course at the Australian Writers Centre a, a few years back Woo-hoo. before I had, yeah, and I had, as part of that, I kind of started a couple of things, but I wasn't really ready at that stage to dive totally into it, and I abandoned those. So, yeah, I probably had about 5,000 words on different bits and pieces before that, but this was the first one that I actually completed. Mm, so com- completing the book is an important part of actually getting the book published. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a good step. <laughs> okay, so tell us a bit about the book um, and where the inspiration came from. I initially wanted to write an Aussie summer romance because I'm such a big consumer of YA and just rom-coms in general and love summer romance stories, but I felt that there wasn't really anything out there that represented the Australian experience of a summer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's all very – the kind of rom-coms and teen stories that are out there that are set over the summer are all very American mm. And I just wanted to see my own culture represented, I suppose. I wanted to I wanted to have, 
the Australian Christmas and New Year's and everything that kind of comes along with that. And I thought that was much more interesting from a story angle as well. There's, it's such a big time of year and especially with New Year's, I think there's this kind of pressure on everyone to make big decisions and, and have special moments and that kind of thing. So I decided that, yeah, I, I, well, I hadn't really read it, so I wanted to write it. And from there I started developing the characters and it actually kind of morphed. And it's, I mean, it's still an Aussie summer romance story, but it became sort of something quite different as well in terms of the main character and the journey she goes on. Mm-hmm. And through developing her character, it felt that her own, her journey with herself and her own body and, and loving herself was actually just as important, if not more so, than the romance with the guy. Okay. Well, that's definitely something that I wanted to talk to you about. So we're going to come back to that. But just while we're sort of here in the, you know, writing the book and the inspiration, it's a journal format. So the voice of Maisie, the main character, is obviously key to this. Like you need to nail that voice otherwise, you know, and and the character. Was that something that came right from the start or is her voice something that developed, you know, as you wrote and then perhaps, you know, as you edited or redrafted or whatever it was that you did? It definitely wasn't there from the start. I think I mentioned that I rewrote the first like 10,000 words about five times and that was purely trying to find the voice and trying to find my way into the story. Um, It originally started not in a journal style. It was a pretty straightforward uh, first person past tense, I think it was. And then I'd play around with present tense and I very briefly doubled in third person and felt that wasn't right. Um, But I was just, yeah, trying all these different things. And then I think it must have been probably late 2016, like early 2017, I I was visiting my parents and my dad kind of nagged me to uh, clean out my boxes of schoolwork that I had uh, <laughs> stashed under the bed there. And I was going through that and I found a year 12 assignment that I had done um, or it, it was a journal that I had kept for English. And it was on alienation and belonging, which is the module I studied then. And I was reading it and I, I was actually kind of surprised at how much of a smart ass I was in it. Um, <laughs> basically, <laughs> there, was, there was this one entry that's really stuck out to me and like was kind of the aha moment for me in terms of writing what I like about me. It, and this entry was, so I was like 16 or 17 when I wrote it and it said something like, um, we had watched Waiting for Godot in class mm. and and we were supposed to write down like what we like what we got out of it in terms of alienation and belonging. And I had written uh, you know, all I, all the only alienation I noticed was when I I was watching it and I felt totally alienated because I didn't understand it at all. Mm. Um, but then I looked around the class and I felt a sense of belonging because no one understood it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just kind of shocked that I had handed this in as, um, and basically it, it, it made me, it gave me the idea to then do, um, write the manuscript as a journal style, but also as a school assignment journal and where the character was a bit of a smart ass about it. And that really unlocked the voice for me. And it was at that, it was like, it just clicked into place. And it was from there that I was able to, to just move forward with the story and, you know, and finish the novel. 
That's interesting because I, I was wondering, you know, with your – because one thing I, I found having also a, a background in magazines was that um, when I came to write fiction, I almost had to unlearn a lot of the stuff that I had learned, you know, in writing for an audience and come back to that uh, intimacy of voice that you that you need, you know, you have to be able to get, tap into. So it's almost like you found that in that diary from your younger self, which helped you to find the voice – for the um for for the YA do you do you feel like writing for that teen audience for girlfriend and things like that do you think that was something that you did that help or hinder when it came to putting this book together I think it definitely helped because I I mean it helped in a broader sense in that I was so familiar with the audience and with young adults um, in general, mm. you know I I had stayed on top of it and I was a worked a girlfriend at the boom of the twilight. Um, mania so (laughs) it was a big time so I think that helped in a broader sense but I I think I definitely think some of the voice that I developed for girlfriend filtered into what I like about me Mm -hmm. Um, and like because the the kind of style at girlfriend at the time was to write like like a slightly older sister yeah so I probably had to make it that little bit younger but um yeah I think it definitely helped me to the point where I was a bit worried I was like oh you know what if this is the only voice I can ever write (laughs) (laughs) oh well you know if it works go with it (laughs) (laughs) um so as far as the writing process for the novel you said you started the whole thing you know uh, several times um until you got hold of that voice did you then plan it out or did you then just allow it to kind of unfold because a diary structure is actually not that easy to wrangle when you're having to manage you know dates and how much time's passed and who's doing what and who's where did you did some of that come together in the editing process or was it there right from the start with your first draft well by the time I was moving forward with the story I had already been thinking about it a lot so I had in my head very broad uh, strokes of where I wanted the story to go. But I'm, I mean, I don't consider myself a planner. Mm. I didn't have anything down on paper. Although at that stage, when I realized the diary format, I did get out a calendar and looked at the dates and, and wrote down, okay, well, this is how many days of the holidays there, school holidays there are. This is when Christmas is, this is when yeah. New Year's is. And I immediately recognized that, um, in terms of where the story was and, and how it matched up with the dates that New Year's Eve was going to be, the almost the climax of yeah. the story so that did help me structure it in a way and also you know I think when I was initially writing and it was just a straightforward first person narrative I was struggling a little bit with like moving from scene to scene of like okay well this scene's done how do I how do I move on and the date structure actually helped me with that because I I could have and the the journey's the journal star style itself because I could have her kind of write oh I've you know I've got to go do this now or, or it almost became part of the story in itself, mm. that, the act of writing. Mm. Okay. Now we, we touched on this before. One of the big themes in the book is, is kind of body confidence and, you know, body love. Did you set out to write, you didn't set out to write a book about that per se, did you? It was something that emerged as Maisie's voice um, yeah. emerged. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, as I said, I initially the very germ of the idea was purely an Australian summer romance. I didn't know anything beyond that, like what the characters would be, how they would interact or anything like that. And so it was as I was developing the character of Maisie that, um, and her voice, I realised that she, um, yeah, she wanted to love herself as much as she wanted to love anyone else. 
and that's where that came through. Okay. Is that something, why do you think that's emerged? Is that something that you're very aware of because of your work in pop culture and, you know, like obviously as part of your role with BuzzFeed and stuff, you're on Twitter a lot. Like I see you there a lot. You've got a big following. You've got a big following on Facebook. Um, And these are ideas that are discussed at length in those sort of forums. So you is do you think that's part of the reason why it filtered through, or is it the work it, at Girlfriend? Like obviously, because it's a big, um, a big theme with those, with what has been or was a big theme with those magazines as well. I think all of the above. When mm. I worked at yeah, when I worked at Girlfriend, it was a massive issue for us and something we frequently covered. And I also I edited the sealed section at Girlfriend actually, and so. I was the one that was receiving letters from teens saying what their problems were, what their concerns Mm. were. And so many of them were related to their body image and how they felt about their bodies and were their bodies weird or gross and were they normal. Like I just – like it was like a – you know, it all added up to this giant scream of like, am I normal? Is there something (laughs) wrong with me? (laughs) Um, And so that definitely, that's always stayed with me. And then, um, you know, through my work at BuzzFeed, I think I definitely became more conscious of it, even on a personal level, because I became more visible myself on social media and also just through my work at BuzzFeed. I was in some videos on YouTube and that kind of thing. And um, I, I was really shocked the first time I was in a BuzzFeed video on YouTube and um, it was a, like a taste test of different like American sweets. Like it's just a fun video. And I got all these really nasty comments about my body and what, you know, like what I was eating and that kind of thing. And I think that was like quite a horrible experience for me. But I think that kind of crystallized for me how important it is to um, be part of this body positive movement and also filter that into my work. I think a lot of those feelings of insecurity and um, and the hurt that I felt by those comments went into the book and mm. then also my journey since then of um, really focusing on trying to love myself and to promote um, works and people who are body positive and make people feel good about themselves. Okay. So you're exploring ideas here that are big for teens, like, you, you know, with, um, you know, self-love and love and friendship and growing up and all of those kinds of things. And you've done it with a lightness of voice, which does make your book stand out I feel at the moment in YA fiction because there there's a lot of dark challenging you know gritty stuff going on in that space was it a conscious thing for you to to do that or was it just that's just how it all came out it was a conscious thing to write a fun book I definitely Mm. um I myself am drawn to romantic comedy and to uh, contemporary romance and feel-good stories. Um, I think, you know, the world is stressful in, in itself and feels quite dark at times. And so when I'm turning to fiction, I want to escape. Mm. That's not to say I think, like, serious books and challenging books definitely have a place and I definitely uh, want to consume them and think they're important. But I think, by and large, I just I want something that is going to make me feel good. So I wrote a story that... I wanted to feel good writing and hopefully if people read it, they felt good when they read it. Mm. And I think um, the kind of bigger bigger ideas, I suppose, just came through quite organically in the development of the characters and, and trying to develop them as real people with real hopes and dreams and real insecurities and all of that. It was quite organic. I never wanted it to be didactic or that, um, or this is the lesson that people are going to take from it. Mm. Okay. 
All right. So um, given the number of words a week that you were no doubt writing for BuzzFeed <laughs> and all of the other things that you were doing, how did you get this manuscript written? Because I can imagine that there must have been times when you thought, well, I've written 12,000 words this week, none of because I'm channeling myself in the same boat. I've written 12,000 words this week. There's no way that I have any in my mind here for fiction. I can't do this. Or did you have a routine and you just got it done? It was definitely a challenge initially. I think, you know, I talked, I've talked about how I just would get it out every six months. And part of that was working full time and just like not having the time or the mental energy to do it and not just working full time, but writing full time. Um, And I think, I was I was trying to figure out a way to make it work for myself. I tried a lot of different things. I'm actually I'm a very much a night person, so I had it in my head that okay, I'll get home from work and I will work on this um, and just do a little bit every day. And I tried that so many times and it just never worked for me because I'd get home and I would be so mentally wiped that mm. I just just had nothing left to to give. And so what actually, what I actually did to get it finished was I had to let go of this notion that I could only work at nighttime and that I was a nighttime person and train myself to be a morning person, which was a massive challenge. That's really hard. Yes. I am not a morning person. Speak to anyone that knows me, they will tell you I'm not a morning person, but I basically, I made, I made a schedule for myself just like I did in like high school and uni. I had, um, you know, this is the time I'm waking up and this is how much time I have for breakfast, et cetera, um, right up to um, bedtime and wow. trying to get to bed early, trying to get my, like, turn all my screens off half an hour before bed, um, all of that to try and tra- – and it took, it took a few weeks to get into that routine, but I ended up doing it. And so I basically just – um, got up an hour earlier than I than I needed to to get to work on time and just wrote for an hour every morning um, and so which was very like counterintuitive for me but it's what what got it done and also I found that when I was writing in the morning um, I felt like I was going to work feeling like I already had something achieved and was really excited about it and so I was then when I came home more energized to keep coming back to it because I already worked on it that morning and I remembered where I was at and, and I was excited to continue. So it actually got me writing at nighttime as well. Um, and so once I did that, I finished it within a couple of months. Um, wow. Yeah. But having said that, after, as soon as I finished it, I was like, oh, thank God, I can go back to my natural routine now. <laughs> and kind of, um, kind of played myself a little bit because then it was it's then when I was trying to write the second one um the second book I have found it very hard to get back into that routine (laughs) oh okay yeah all right so you have um you do have a big online presence um partly due probably to your profile with BuzzFeed but do you Mm -hmm. have some tips for building that social media presence I mean we talked about you know proper actual connections are there any other sort of things that you would be at you know, that you would offer for other authors who are hoping to build a presence yeah I think it's important first and foremost just to be a person and mm. um to to think of it not as social media but as people mm. um and so you know you, you you wouldn't walk into a dinner party and say hey buy my book so like don't do that on social media no. <laughs> um so yeah just like go on there because you genuinely want to be on there and you genuinely want to talk to people and just um connect with them on a human level and I think that is how you build communities that is how you build connections and like also just have fun with it I think um people tend to overthink it and it's it's really just doing what comes naturally to you like I'm 
I have a big Twitter presence. I'm not as big, say, on Instagram because I'm not really a, as much a visual person. Mm. So I focus my energies on Twitter and a little bit on Facebook. I'm still on Instagram, but it's not as um, big a thing for me. Mm. And so focus, yeah, focus your energies where it feels natural and fun to you. And I think also, like, I've read some really bad advice about social media, especially in terms of Twitter. I've read recently um, someone said, you know, to get people to follow you, follow them. And then if they don't follow you back within a week, unfollow them. Mm. And I think that's really bad advice because that's just, it's so cynical. Like yep. follow people because you want to follow them and talk to them and actually, yeah, have conversations with them, reply to their tweets. Um, and even if they don't follow you back, if you're having good, valuable com- and fun conversations with them, um, they're going to remember you. So it's it's not always about who follows you. It's about who you connect with. Yeah. And I, and I think your, your comments in this at the start of the interview where you were talking about how you connected with Danielle over your love of Dawson's Creek and things like that those things where you actually talk about things that are you and passion that you're passionate about that have nothing to do with writing and nothing to do with I mean you know like that's why I share pictures of my dog um but you just basically you've got to find those things that other people are going to relate to that are not necessarily about you and your book right absolutely yeah I think um I mean, TV is a really good example. If there's TV shows that you love watching, tweet about them. And especially if they're something that you can live tweet, like say, for example, The Bachelor. Um, I know like a lot of people get really into that on Twitter. And if you like that and, and a part of that and um, do some funny tweets, you'll get followers that way and connect with people that way. There's There's lots of different avenues like that where it's just pursuing your own interests beyond writing um, that will form really unique connections that you don't know um, you know, how they'll pay off in the future. Maybe they'll pay off as just being a great friendship or, a yeah. good, you know, a good online connection and that in itself is valuable. All right. So switching gears slightly, have you done your first author talks as yet? Well, I have done a couple of panels. I haven't done like a solo talk. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I've done a couple of panels at the Sydney Writers Festival last year um, and I did some girls write-up um, events with the Stella Prize. Great. So. Yeah. And how did you find the um, panel experience, like having, you know, doing it for the first time? Um, I was very nervous going into it, but then once once I was into it, I was really comfortable and I found it a lot of fun. Excellent. And uh, so you're looking forward to doing more? Definitely. I definitely want to do more. Um, and stay, stay tuned. <laughs> okay. And you're obviously like, given that you're writing YA, you'll be looking at doing school visits as part of your book promotion. Yeah, I definitely want to do school visits. I haven't lined any up yet, but I'm working on that at the moment. Excellent. All right, so what are you working on now? You mentioned that you were writing a second book. Yes, I am. So I have a two-book deal with Pam McMillan, and um, it's going to be another standalone, and I've pitched them the idea, and I'm just waiting to hear back on if they like it, but I have started writing it, so hopefully Mm. they do like it. Fingers crossed on that (laughs) then. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, and now let's finish up with our final question, which is, of course, your top three tips for authors. So my top three tips, I would say, number one is figure out what works for you. I spent a lot of time when I was um, beginning, like, worrying over what's the best way to write what's the what's the what's the best way to finish a novel and how should i do this and am i doing this the right way and i just think there's no right or wrong way to do it you've got to find what what works for you yep. and definitely like listen to other people's advice listen you know read books and um on advice and listen to the po- this podcast and take take on board what everyone says but 
only take on what actually works for you and discard the rest, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like I said, in terms of, you know, I thought I was a night person and that I should work at nighttime and I had to actually totally let go of that notion and, and find something that really worked for me um, before I was able to finish. Fantastic. All right. And number two, yeah, <laughs> we've already talked a lot about this, but I, I would say don't overthink social media. Um, just I, I, I see a lot of people being like, oh, should I be on Twitter? Should, how do I do this? Like I'm I, overthinking everything I'm, I'm saying and just be yourself, be a person, talk to other people like they're, um, they're people and not agents or publishers or authors or anything like that. Just connect on a human level. Excellent. Yeah. And number three, I would say write for the sake of writing. Um, I kind of had these goals in my head that I wanted to be published by a certain age and that didn't happen and that really got me down for a little while and kind of I beat myself up about it and I thought I had this thing in my head that oh if it was meant to be it would have happened by now which is totally absurd because it's not necessarily meant to be it's how it's how you work to make it happen Mm. um and it was only when I let go of those those ideas and let go of the idea of like oh I have to be published I think when I was younger I was writing because I wanted to be published whereas once I let go of that and thought no I want to write because I want to have written this book and even if it never gets published I want to be I'll be satisfied that I have done it um, that was when that was the only time that I was actually able to finish it. And then, you know, I ended up getting it published. But the fact that I let go of that goal and just wrote for the sake of writing um, really helped me and, and made the whole process much more satisfying. Fantastic. Those are all excellent tips. Um, now, where do we find you online, Jenna? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jenna Guillaume which is G-U-I-L-L-A-U-M-E. It's a bit of a tricky one. Um, and I'm on Facebook under that name as well. Um, and jennaguillaume.com is my website. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Best of luck with your debut novel, What I Like About Me. And, um, you know, go forth. Do thank fantastic you so much. Things. <laughs> thank you. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. If you'd like to write fiction for kids and teens, our five-week online course, How to Write for Children and Young Adults, will help you get there faster. Find your voice, create characters, dialogue and plots to fit your age group and write compelling stories that young readers will love, all in a couple of hours a week. You'll also enjoy the convenience of learning from anywhere and get your very own tutor providing personal feedback on your writing. Find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash children's author. There you go, Jenna Guillaume. Now, I think that's interesting because she has an interesting last name. I guess it comes from the French. And you know how you've said, you said that you had to practice saying her last name. Did you not watch Benson when you were growing up? Benson? Yeah, the TV show. The American TV show. Yeah, because it was starring Robert Guillaume. No? No, I watched it, but I didn't know who, I didn't know that. That I didn't know who starred in it because I was, oh. you know, 10. But it's in the opening credits like every single afternoon when you watched it at 4 o'clock or whatever. Yeah, but I didn't I, – I don't think I was taking any notice of those kinds of details at that point in my life. Oh, okay. I struggle to take notice of those kinds of details now, to be honest with you. Really? Unless I'm 
Well, unless I'm really absorbed and really interested, I'm not going to even bother to okay, find out who I'm here. Do you read the – when you go to movies, do you read the – are you one of those people who reads the credits or not read the credits? At the end? Yeah. I only read the – I will be perfectly honest with you. Are you ready for this? Yeah, go I on. only read the credits at the end if I've spent some time trying to work out who I'm looking at. If there's a song in it or a piece of music in it that I really liked and I want to find out what it was um, or, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's only if, I, if it's only, I only read the credits if an actor has really piqued my interest and I want to find out who they are or, again, as I said, I often end up sitting there till the very, 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 very end when the lights yes. are on on the whole business waiting for the music credits. Right. Just, yeah. Okay. That surprises you, didn't it? Doesn't it? I've taken you by surprise yeah, there. Yeah, I thought you would be a credit reader. No, not necessarily. It's mm. only it really it really has to actually I often know a lot of those details before I go into a movie, to be honest with you. Like in the sense of who's in it and what who directed it and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but I'm I mean not sitting there down waiting to, to the find out. Accountant and the hair and makeup and the caterer. Like I sit there and I go, Oh, they were the accountant on this show and they were the stunt person on this show and you know? Really? Yeah, I sit there till the end until the lights come up and read all the wow, Val. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just another like example of why we are the yin and the yang. Of... <laughs> <laughs> and she Whoa. was the production assistant on this. And it... <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. Mainly it's the caterers, the accountants. Why are you the... looking for caterers? I don't know. Why? I don't know. And um, stunt people, I definitely. So you're ready for those. who wants to be a millionaire on <laughs> catering in movies? Am I right I about that? Go, I should go on hard quiz. Yeah, with the specialist <laughs> with the specialist knowledge of who catered every movie that you've That's ever so seen. Funny. Okay. Anyway, we digress. <laughs> So, <laughs> we really do digress. Yes, we do. What are you doing in the coming week, Al? Uh, yep, good question. What am I doing in the coming week? Um, I don't know. I honestly, I don't even know. I think me I'm either. still editing. Yeah, yeah, me, me either because I just have to get this exhibition done, and then, um, then I can think again because everything is kind of revolved around that. Mm. But. Uh, yeah, so we're both in the same boat. All right, where do we find you online, Al? You'll find me at alisontait.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. You will find me <laughs> find me on Twitter at, at altait, A-L-T-A-I-T, and you will find me on Facebook and Instagram at alisontaitwriter. And you, Valerie, where do we find you? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. You'll find all of the show notes at soyouwantobearwriter.com.au and please do join us on Facebook. Just search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community and request to join. It's free to join. We'd love to have you in there and connect with you. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writerscentre.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentre.com.au slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.